Hello, podcast listeners. This is Art Wright here at Williamsburg Baptist Church in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. We're so glad that you're listening to our podcast. We kicked off the new year in style at Williamsburg Baptist Church on January 1st. We had worship on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as usual, and we had a surprisingly good showing of folks that turned up, more than I expected, to be honest. And uh, we drank our coffee and sang Christmas carols. I delivered a short um, a short sermon, we'll often call that a homily, um, on the... Um, Jesus's uh, genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew. And so I'm going to include that scripture reading in the podcast so you can listen to it. It's a long list of names, but it goes pretty quickly, and the folks seem to enjoy it in worship. Uh, and then a, a short sermon to follow. But we really are glad you're listening. We're about to move into the Epiphany season. Would love for you to join us January 8th or anytime after that in person or online or via podcast as we move into the Epiphany season together, um, where we um, where we find ourselves wondering and wrestling with who is this Christ that has appeared among us now, um, now that Jesus has been born. Uh, we have some questions. <laughs> what does that mean, and what does it mean to us as people of faith who are who are striving to follow him? And so each week in the season ahead, we will learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him as we move into this new year together. Uh, really are glad you're listening. Feel free to head over to williamsburgbaptist.com or check us out on Facebook or Instagram if you want to find out more about what we've got going on. You can also email me at pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com if you want to connect, share prayer concerns, uh, or um, or just check in. Anyway, hope you enjoy this sermon. God bless. have a special scripture reading this morning. It's from the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first thing you'd read in the New Testament if you were just to open up the New Testament and start reading it. It's the genealogy of Jesus. I'd like to tell you we drew straws on the worship council to see who we were going to make read it, but I didn't want to ask anyone else to have to pronounce all of the names. (laughs) George, you would have taken it, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would encourage you, if you would will, to follow along in your pew Bibles. I looked it up. It's page 733. It's a long list of names. I'm going to replace, I'm going to use begat because King James English seems fitting for this scripture passage. But if you'd like to follow along in the pew Bible, would love for you to. In fact, let's make it interesting. Count one point for yourself for every name I mispronounce. And one point per woman you notice in the genealogy. Let's focus our attention a little bit. Sound fair? Okay. Receive these words of scripture. A record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Judah begat Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez begat Hezron, Hezron begat Aram, Aram begat Amminadab, Amminadab begat Nashon, Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz begat Obed, whose mother was Ruth. 
Obed begat Jesse, Jesse begat David the king, David begat Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, Solomon begat Rehoboam, Rehoboam begat Abijah begat Asaph, Asaph begat Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begat Joram, Joram begat Uzziah, Uzziah begat Jotham, Jotham begat Ahaz, Ahaz begat Hezekiah, and Hezekiah begat Manasseh. Manasseh begat Amos, Amos begat Josiah. Josiah begat Jeconiah and his brothers. This was at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah begat Shealtiel. Shealtiel begat Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begat Abiud. Abiud begat Eliakim. Eliakim begat Azor. Azor begat Zadok. Zadok begat Akim. Akim begat Eliud. Eliud begat Eleazar. Eleazar begat Methan. Methan begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. So there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile to Babylon to the Christ. This is the word of God for the people of... (laughs) You all are too funny. (laughs) Believe it or not, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, may you open our hearts and our minds to receive words of wisdom and encouragement and even words of challenge from this strange but sacred text, this list of the ancestors of Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. All right. How you start a gospel matters right? Just like how you start a novel or how you start a movie matters. You want to grab the audience's attention right from the get-go. And so if you're going to tell an epic, life-changing narrative about the story of Jesus, you want to start strong. You want to hook your readers from the get-go. Mark begins with John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. Luke begins with John the Baptist's parents and the prophecy of John's birth. John begins with a cosmic vision. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow, that is powerful stuff. Matthew, on the other hand, a lot of people would probably say that Matthew just blows it, to be honest. For a lot of folks starting to read the New Testament, these first 17 verses leave a lot to be desired. As soon as you say an account of the genealogy of Jesus, you're almost guaranteed to put half your audience to sleep. But the narrative lectionary has brought us here today, and surely the author of Matthew started here for a reason. Surely there's something in this text that Matthew thinks is important and even vital in the telling before we wade into the story of Matthew that follows, that that Matthew will tell. So stick with me for a few minutes, if you will. My wife and I had a mountain of laundry to fold just a couple of weeks ago, as is typically the case in our household. 
So we decided to turn on a Netflix movie while we folded it, and we were flipping through looking for a a Christmas-themed movie. (laughs) Why are you shaking your head? (laughs) We stumbled upon what is sure to not become a modern Christmas classic, a bad mom's Christmas. It's the story of three moms who are struggling to jump through all of the hoops of holiday parenting, and each of them are beginning to buckle under the weight of their Christmas preparations. And so they decide to rebel. They break from familial expectations and societal norms. They start drinking at the mall. They booty dance with Santa. They steal a pre-decorated Christmas tree so that they don't have to decorate it for themselves. And they cancel all of their fancy Christmas plans. And that's just the beginning. In the process of their shenanigans, of course, they stumble upon the true meaning of spending time with family at Christmas. And I'll be honest, I don't really recommend the movie unless you're desperate for something to watch in the holidays. But we did get our laundry folded and put away, and we had a few laughs as well. Curiously enough, Matthew's gospel includes several women in the genealogy whose reputations might fit well in with the lead characters of a bad mom's Christmas. It's pretty obvious from the get-go that Matthew's genealogy is decidedly male-focused on sharing Jesus' male ancestors, almost ad nauseum, and that was typical in ancient genealogies. But Matthew breaks from the norm by including five women in the list, and they're all women who themselves broke from social expectations and norms in surprising and even subversive ways. As Marilyn Monroe and others have said, well-behaved women rarely make history, and so it is so with these women. Tamar is the first woman mentioned by Matthew, the mother of Perez and Zerah by Judah, Only Judah wasn't her husband. You may or may not remember that Judah was actually her father-in-law. And when her first two husbands died, Judah failed to help her secure a new husband as he should have done. In fact, as he was required to do by law. And so as a widow, she found herself in an especially vulnerable situation. So she takes matters in her own hands. She dresses up as a prostitute, and lo and behold, Judah, her father-in-law, hires her for her services, and she gets pregnant as a result. And the story is much more involved than that, but according to Genesis, Judah was very much in the wrong, and Tamar's courage and creativity with the few resources that she has at her disposal paved the way for the family line to continue. Matthew could have just as easily said, Judah begat Perez and Zerah and moved on quickly. But he pauses and says, and Tamar was their mother. Tamar is here for a reason. Rahab is the next mother mentioned in the genealogy. You may remember Rahab as the Canaanite prostitute who helped Joshua's spies in the conquest of Jericho. Like Tamar, she too has a scandalous sexual history. She's an outsider because she's not Jewish. But she, serves and, but she serves to remind us that God works through people who don't fit neatly into the community of faith due, the, to, due to their theological or ethnic differences. From Rahab, we move to Ruth. And if you remember from our sermon series last summer, Ruth is a Moabite, again, not Jewish, who finds herself in a vulnerable situation as a widow but she uses her sexuality to secure a future with the Israelite Boaz. 
She seduces him on the threshing floor and convinces him to marry her so that he'll provide for her and Naomi. And finally, in verse 6, we get this. David begat Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. This is doubly scandalous. Do you remember? Do you remember the name Bathsheba? This is the woman that David took by force from Uriah the Hittite, and then he had Uriah killed to cover up his transgressions. Again, Matthew could have just as easily said, and David begat Solomon, and that would have been just fine. But Matthew underlines the scandal of this moment as if to draw attention to David's flaws and imperfections, but also the way in which Bathsheba finds herself in a complicated and compromising and vulnerable situation. All four of these women find themselves in situations that force them to work outside of normative social expectations. Each of them forges a path forward where there is no path, and without them, the lineage of Jesus does not continue. Each of these women make the best of their situations with their courage and creativity and perseverance. And finally, of course, did you count the, the mothers? How many did you get? There's five. The last one is Mary, whose own pregnancy is shrouded in unusual and even suspect circumstances, so much so that Joseph almost dismisses her from their engagement. A young, unwed mother-to-be moving courageously into the future to give birth to Jesus. Matthew no doubt included these five women because Matthew believes that you can't tell the story of Jesus without acknowledging these courageous women. Much like we here at Williamsburg Baptist remind ourselves that it was 12 courageous women who founded this congregation, what, 195 years ago now. Today's passage challenges notions of who we think God works through and who we think God uses to advance God's dream in the world. This morning we find ourselves on the precipice of a new year together. And I can't help but wondering, what if instead of moving into the new year with resolutions to get to the gym more, or read more, or finally clean out that email inbox? What if we move into it with an awareness that God is at work through the people we least expect, even and maybe especially if that person is us? What if we move into the new year with the realization and the awareness that God works through people with doubts and insecurities and fears and anxieties? What if we move into the new year with the realization that God works through women and LGBTQ persons and burnt out people and frazzled moms who are just trying their best to make it through the holidays in one piece and people who split their time between Baptist and Catholic churches and people who are doubting that God is still calling them to do God's work in this world? And what if we moved into this new year with the awareness that God is at work through the churches we might least expect too, even and maybe especially through the ones that felt as though they were dying, but now find on themselves on the other side new life as they are reborn. Church, I know it's hard to believe some days. I promise it was hard for me to believe it when I woke up at 7 a.m. this morning and thought, who in their right mind decided it was a good idea to have church on New Year's Day? 
But I look back and remember these women who Matthew wisely included in this genealogy. And I remember some of these men, too, who were major screw-ups along the way. And I think maybe, just maybe, God is at work through us, too. And then from there, I move that to confidence because I know God is at work through you and through me and through us together as a community of faith. And that is good news. Happy New Year, church. I'm confident that it's going to be a good one. Thanks be to God. Amen.